Good morning. Bring you greetings in Jesus' name. Two want to echo what Dennis said. Appreciate that song. A good bridge to span from Sunday school to the message this morning. Have a lot of, I have a little apprehension on this topic that I'm going to share with you this morning as due to probably my lack of experience in it. I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be looking at the last beatitude. We've been looking through a series here of Beatitudes, studying through them. Poor in spirit, bless them that mourn, bless are the meek, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers. And then we come to this one, it's kind of like a climax, the ending of it. Something that... has some excitement. But yet, in this life, it's a dreaded uh, a dreaded thing. Humanly speaking, when you think of persecution, it's something that, at least for myself, I don't like to think about. It's a dark side. What comes to your mind when you think of persecution? In my library at home, I have a big book. It's called The Martyr's Mirror. That spans through the time from the beginning of the after Christ's ministry, stoning of Stephen, all the way into the 1600s, and it's a big, thick book. It's probably that thick. Most of you are familiar with it. Um, a lot of reading in there, and I would recommend that you take time and read that. There are many accounts in there of people that have stood for truth, stood for what they believed, and gave their blood, gave their life for that. I also have another book that I use for resource, Stories of Martyrdom and the Costly Discipleship, Bearing Witness. It's also just kind of a condensed version of stories from Stephen through even a little more modern to Nicaraguan Christians being persecuted today. Another book that I remember reading back when I was younger uh, was called Awaiting the Dawn. I don't know how many of you have read that book. Fair amount. That was the book that uh, drove home the cost of discipleship was written by Dorcas Hoover. John Troy was murdered by communist guerrillas in Guatemala. What was Jesus thinking when he said these words? And let's read it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Jesus is offering words of encouragement here. 
to those that are going to follow him. When we take up discipleship and follow Jesus, he knew that the life of the believer would be hard. Would be there would be persecution, there'd be ridicule, there'd be mockery. He knew that we would be made fun of. Jesus also knew that it would not be normal to not for us to not want to be persecuted. Jesus said, if you want to become my follower, let him deny himself and take up my cross and follow me. For those that want to save their life will lose it, and for those that lose their life for my sake will find it. A few weeks back, Davey had a Wednesday night talk on persecution, and I appreciated that. A few questions came to my mind as I studied this. Is there persecution today? What does it mean to be persecuted? And how can I help those that are persecuted? Is there persecution today? Absolutely. I remember hearing the number and being staggered by the number of persecuted Christians. And we are blessed to be gathered together here this morning, to be sitting here in this church, and for the most part not having to worry about persecution. But did it ever cross your mind this morning as you were traveling here to church? Did the thought cross your mind? I wonder if this building will be standing. wonder if church will be here today. I remember some time back, I was young here at school, but I remember someone sabotaging the church. They, uh, they entered in, and from what I can remember, there wasn't a lot of damage, but from what I can remember, there was cassette tapes floating in the commodes in the bathroom. I don't think they had us targeted. I think they were just a few young guys who didn't have enough to do. But that was so minor. What if when we got to church this morning and we look around and we see someone missing and we'd find out that they were taken to prison? I have a list of countries that there is persecution. North Korea, Somali, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Sudan, Syria, Iraq, Iran, Yemen, UAE, and even Mexico is on that list. And that is just to name a few. And I'll go on to explain why. The Center for the Study of Christianity has been monitoring worldwide demographics trends in Christianity. The year from 2005 to 2015, that would be 10 years, it is estimated that 900,000 Christians have been martyred, and that is an average of 90,000 per year. It was also mentioned that during the last year, a third of those Christians killed for their faith was in the hands of the Islamic extremists. What does the word persecute mean? It means to harass, punish in a manner designed to injure, grieve, specifically to cause to suffer because of belief. Another definition taken from Webster's 1828, 
persecution, the act of practice of persecuting, the infliction of pain, punishment, or death upon others unjustly, particularly for adhering to a religious creed or mode of worship, either by way of penalty or by compelling them to renounce their principles. Christ's kingdom and Satan's kingdoms are opposed. When we put our allegiance with Jesus Christ and his kingdom, there will be opposition and inescapable consequences of discipleship. The people of the opposing kingdom will not put value on the things that are important to God's kingdom. There are many stories, and I could spend all morning here telling you stories, and I would not exhaust it at all. But there are many stories of Christians who were tortured and tried to get them to recant, even to the point that they would have to recant their life with disability. Their, their life was mutilated. They would cut their tongues out. They would pinch their eyes. They would do all sorts of torture. There was even an account that I read of three men that couldn't even walk to their arena after being tortured by all these different methods. There is one thing for sure, and that is I'm convinced that Jesus helps those that are persecuted to bear the pain or ease the pain during that time. And I'll explain that a little later. There was an account of a woman. She was eight months pregnant, and it was wrong for them to kill a pregnant lady. So she was with a group, and it looked like it looked as if she was going to have to suffer by herself after she gave birth. So they had a little prayer meeting. They prayed, and immediately she went into labor. As she was in labor, she had pain during childbirth. The guards taunted her and said, "What are you going to? What's it going to be like when you are killed?" the pain that you're going to suffer. And this was her reply. I'm in pain now, but the martyrdom I will face, there will be one who will help me bear it. Another account of helping to bear the pain was Michael Sattler. He also, as he was being persecuted, drawn to the stake, thrown into fire, he had beforehand had given some indications, some signs that he would that he would show to his brethren uh, that the pain was bearable. And as he was there burning, he held his hands up, and that was the sign that he was to give them that the pain was bearable. So we have accounts like that where Jesus comes alongside and gives comfort, gives strength, gives courage, for those that are willing to stand for him. More recently, maybe one that comes to your mind um, about Lisa Miller. And I don't know the account real well, but there's a little blip that I pulled out, and it's by it's Kenneth Miller, if I understand right, he's the one that bought the plane ticket for Lisa and Tim or Lisa to, to flee. 
And this is what he said. I just pulled an excerpt out from, from his, his blog. Kenneth Miller, also not relation to Lisa or Timothy, was convicted for aiding international parent, parent parental kidnapping in December 2011 and sentenced 27 months in prison reported to the report the Charlie Project. The pastor of an Amish Mennonite community, he helped Lisa and Isabel by getting fellow Amish Mennonites to purchase plane tickets for a flight from Canada to Nicaragua from Mexico and El Salvador. He also purchased the typical Mennonite dresses which Lisa and Isabel were to conceal their identities. Before he reported to prison in March of this year, Kenneth wrote in his blog about why he did what he did. I'm going to prison today because a woman's faith and modern society collided. He said, about 12 years ago, Lisa Miller discovered that Jesus of Nazareth was powerful enough to take away her sins. He transformed her life and her lifestyle. And in the long, winding journey since then, Lisa has sought to remain true to her Savior and her conscience. Turn to John chapter 15. Verse 18, John 15, verse 18. If the world hate you, ye know that it hateth me before it hateth you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But ye because, but because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the world. Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they have also persecuted you. If they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. When people do mean things against you, for Christ's sake, it is not as if they're doing it to you, but it's as they're doing it to Christ. When Christ was here and suffered before going to the cross, remember how that went? He was spit on, he was ridiculed. They even lashed out. Jesus went through that, and that gives us comfort. That's a Christian's comfort. Sometimes when we get mistreated, we can, we can maybe start feeling sorry for ourselves. Why did that have to happen? Maybe I should have done it different. There's a story of two men. They were going door to door, spreading the gospel, sharing the good news. And they came to a, uh, the house, and the door was open, and a big man answered. And he listened for a few seconds, and he slammed the door back on their face. And these, one of these guys started feeling foolish and wondering, why are we doing this? No sooner had he began to think that, and the other one piped up and said, you know, he slammed the door on our faces, but really he slammed the door on Jesus. And maybe that is a good uh, reason why Jesus said when he sent them out, go two and two. That way when you have doubts like that, the other person can, can comfort you, can cheer you up, can, can help you to stay focused. Working on the streets of Chicago, you, you'll run in and encounter lots of people that are very cold. You can tell by their eyes. You can tell by their expressions. They are, they are cold. 
You could take a knife and you could cut it. They will ignore you as if you were a fly on the walk, on the sidewalk. Sometimes we'll even get people yelling at our group to take the caps off the young ladies and put them on the men. You get the picture, don't you? We're out of step with the world. Rejection is a mark of blessing only when it is done for the sake of righteousness. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Jesus is saying that insult, persecution, and slander, when it is done for his sake, because you are following him, that is when there is blessing. I want to make this clear. Sometimes it may not always be a blessing when someone insults us. Let's not think or be tempted to think that, if, that it is a blessing anytime someone insults us. If we fail to listen carefully to this beatitude, we may draw a false conclusion that every nasty thing someone would say about you or me is a blessing. But wait, sometimes that nasty thing that someone said to me is the truth. What's more, not all that we would call persecution is persecution. Sometimes the behavior we label persecution is just a natural and a reasonable re reaction to our bad habit. In such cases, people reject us because we have a bad temper. We act crabby. Maybe we're hypersensitive, hard to get along. You know, the truth of it is if we saw ourselves as we are, we probably wouldn't like it either. That is not persecution. That is not uh, insult. But when the real truth is, if we can ask ourselves, is this for righteousness? If we act right and do right, then it has a blessing. Turn to First Peter chapter 3. Verse 17. First Peter chapter 3, verse 17. For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. How much better is it to suffer for doing something that's good than for something that was evil? Flip back a page to chapter 2, verse 12, First Peter. Have your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may be your that may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. Peter is writing to encourage the believers scattered throughout Asia Minor. He was making a statement make sure any suffering that they experience was correct for the correct reason and not because of their own folly. Turn back to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12.
Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering that when his glory shall be revealed ye may be glad also with exceedingly joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of the glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is evil he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let <clears throat> but let none of us but let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. The nature of true righteousness is such that it is going to provoke the unrighteous. Those who are not living according to God's standards react and will persecute those who walk in righteousness. We would expect persecution from those that are open-minded or open rebellion, those that are, have open rebellion against God and follow false religion because the gospel exposes their sin. But some of the greatest persecution against the righteous have actually come from the so-called church. Man's organization. Think back in history to some of the greatest persecution that took place was from the Catholic Church. You may have heard of Open Door Ministry. I found this to be very informative and you can go to their webpage and find this information as well but they had information they said did you know that 322 Christians are killed for their faith each month 214 churches and Christian properties are destroyed 772 772 forms of violence are committed against church Christians such as beatings, abductions, rape arrest and forced marriages. According to the Pew Research Center, over 75% of the world's population lives in area, areas where severe religious restrictions apply. Also, according to the United States, Christians in more than 60 countries are persecuted. One thing for sure, for certain that following Christ in times of persecution they didn't put a lot of emphasis on church buildings they were just glad to get together and encourage each other didn't matter where they met woods, barns, caves you know what anywhere they could hide they met I want to look at three forms of persecution and they're found in our text Matthew 5 verse 11 insult is the first one insult literally means to cast in one's teeth it may range from being looked down on to being hated deeply it is a form of persecution that may inflict some pain but usually 
is more of a verbal abuse. I think I mentioned this before, but remember Jesus prior to his crucifixion, how he was taunted and and displayed. You know, people would hit him and they would say, Prophesy, who who hit you? That was an insult. They even put a royal robe on, on Jesus and said, Hail, King of the Jews. Insult. Second one is persecution. This one includes harassment, oppression, and physical assault, escalating to murder. When Jesus called his disciples to follow and take up their cross and follow, they knew very well, full well, what he meant. It meant taking up, following Jesus, being willing to die, and die they did. All the apostles died as a martyr, except John, who was exiled to the island of Patmos. James was executed by Herod. Peter was crucified upside down on a cross. Andrew was crucified on an X-shaped cross. Paul was beheaded. Some of the others were stoned. And you know what? After them, the next generation that followed died as martyrs too. And this is what Polycarp <coughs> said, being said before being burned alive in the Rome arena. Eighty-six years have I served him, Christ, and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king? For the next 200 years, Christians were often martyred, dying in their arenas as a sport for the ungodly to watch. Some of these sports were gladiators. They were put out there with swords, spears, and would kill them. Also, lions would be turned loose, and they would be eaten alive. Children would be wrapped in sheepskin and then torn apart by wild dogs, while others were covered with pitch and burned as torches in Nero's garden. There was a birthday party for one of the kings and was planned to have some of the Christians brought out into the arena and would serve as entertainment. They turned the lions out, but the lions did not come near them. The king, in his rage, told the gladiators, Go kill them. And they went down and they killed the Christians. And then he said, Fight till there's only one remaining, and he is the winner. So even there, the gladiators had to fight. How cruel, how wicked. Now, if that doesn't make you cringe, that was really dark times. But yet God's word, God's message, spread like fire. Notice the picture on the wall. It's a reflection of those Christians that were running for their life. But there was something about them that was different. It was a change of heart. It was a change of allegiance. They were willing to love their enemies. They were willing to do good for them. harder Satan tries to stump out the message the faster it goes it's like oil and water 
the two don't mix. I'm told that the persecution in this 20th century then is more than the previous 19th centuries combined and is at a pace that has not even slackened it continues to increase. The third form there in verse 11 is called slander. Saying evil things against you falsely. Most of us are well aware that others may lie about us to get gain or an advantage. Back in the early days they were accused of burning Rome. The Christians were blamed for starting the fire that burned Rome. And then they were also accused of cannibalism because they celebrated the body and blood of Jesus. Slander can arise from a misunderstanding but is more often obvious and malicious twisting of the truth. In Matthew 11, chapter 11, verse 19 is a account where Jesus was called a glutton and a drunkard. I want to flip a little bit. I want to end on a positive note. Verse 12, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. We have hope to rejoice this morning. Our reward is in heaven. So, by taking these Beatitudes and living them out, we take on the nature of Christ. And that is why they will persecute us. It, caused, it causes we did, it's because we just demonstrate the characteristic of true righteousness. We have the poor in spirit. We're mournful. We're meek. We're hungering and thirsting after righteousness. We're merciful. We're pure in heart. We're peacemaking. And as we become more like Christ, don't be surprised that the world will react to you as it reacted toward Jesus. John 15, verse 20. Remember the world that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. We can rejoice that when the heat or the turmoil of persecution because our reward is not here but is it is in heaven are we building God's kingdom are we working in God's kingdom also I find it interesting that there in verse 12 Matthew 5 mentions that we will be associated with the great prophets of the past so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Persecution verifies that you belong to a line of righteousness. I don't want to portray here this morning that if 
that you need to that you need persecution. Um, if you're if you feel like your life is going good and you haven't faced a lot of of heat for your stand, don't feel like there's something wrong. But my encouragement is take my encouragement is to take every opportunity that you have to share God's message. We certainly do have privileges and blessings in this land of freedom. But who knows how long that may be. I want to end with a story. I got this story from the Voice of the Martyr. And it's very recent. It's in the Middle East. It's called An ISIS Converts. Speak to him strongly and directly. Don't be afraid. This is what Pastor Abram heard from the Lord before he led a former Muslim extremist to Christ. Abram had been threatened many times before as he shared boldly with the Sunni Muslims crossing the border from Syria. But the threats toward his family were becoming more frequent and more serious. For several months he had been dealing more and more with internal fear. He knew of no better way to combat that fear than to pray and ask the Lord for strength. But the fear persisted. One day he was working outside his house with an electric saw. As he used it, the blade suddenly popped off and caught him in the mouth. Had that blade hit him a few inches lower, it would have hit an artery in his throat. If it had been a few inches higher, it would have blinded him. As he stood in shock for a moment, bleeding, he heard the Lord speak to him internally, saying, I am, I am in control of when your life will end. Stop being scared. At that, moment, at that moment, Abraham's fears were calm. So when Fadi appeared at Abraham's home, Abraham was ready. He heard the Lord say in his spirit, Speak to him strongly and directly. Don't be afraid. Abraham boldly told him, Islam was inspired by Satan. At these words, Fadi began shaking uncontrollably. Abraham came beside him and told him, God is here beside you now and he is putting his hand on your shoulder, asking you, what do you want? I want salvation, Fadi replied. Jesus will forgive your sins. Abraham told him. Fadi began to weep, and Abraham prayed with him before he left. A week later, Fadi came to Abraham's home again. He wanted to tell Abraham about a dream he had. In the dream, Abraham gave Fadi an envelope, and the envelope had bloods poured out of it. Abraham told Fadi in the dream, don't be afraid, this blood is good. Fadi was afraid the dream meant either he or Abraham were going to die. Instead, Abraham told Fadi about Jesus' blood that paid for the salvation and the forgiveness of sins. Four months ago, Fadi was baptized in front of Abraham's church. He continues to come to Abraham for the discipleship. He also is one. He also won his wife to the Lord and is boldly sharing his faith in Syria refugee camp. He is now living on. And that was posted April 17, 2017. One request I hear over and over from the persecuted Christians, and that is that they say, don't pray that the persecution be removed, but they, they say, pray that we remain faithful to God and strong in Him to the end. It's sad when I was reading there was there is accounts of people that gave up 
and recanted and didn't go through. They weren't strong enough. May the Lord help us to be strong in Him to the end, no matter what happens to us. May the Lord bless you and pray for those who are persecuted and have to take a stand for Christ.